0: to the flip side galen clavio brian moritz here still here still ready to go ready to wrap up this month of january and ready to talk i don't know we haven't even really discussed what we're going to talk about i could see this conversation going in in a number of different directions but let's let's you know forestall our uncertainty and just Enjoy our each other's company for a little bit here first, Brian. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing, you know, as good as can be expected, um, considering, you know, in one level the world is falling apart and coming apart at the seams on us. Um, but I always—it's one of those things. I always do find it very odd that, like, you know, obviously, so we're recording this January 30th. It's two days after the uh, the executive order, the Muslim ban executive order went into place, and and, and it, 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 you know, the the Trump presidency is. You know, it's exactly what he promised it would be, which I think is surprisingly taking people by surprise that he actually meant all the cre- the kind of batshit stuff he was saying. Um, and he went, and, and so he's doing that. Um, but but it's always funny, like when you think about like when you're on Twitter or on Facebook at how you know insane the world is, and yet literally you look outside your window and it's like, oh, life is going on exactly as normal around here. So it's that weird kind of juxtaposition of. A lot of stuff is changing, and yet you know, life goes on, and life goes on here. So, I think we had kind of a t- you know, uh, I don't know, we we didn't really talk about what we were going to talk about, but it kind of feels like we're not going to do too much on the political stuff. We've talked about that a lot in the last few weeks, and really, what more can we say to to what's going on other than was. that was that was actually not my feeling at all. You want to talk uh, about it?
0: Let's do it. Well, all right. Well, well, but first, let's. We need to for this conversation. Let's. We we definitely need beer we definitely Uh, need so yes so what do you got so
1: i have the uh old hickory brewery from north carolina finishing up my vacation uh haul from the new year and this is the original ruby lager and it is a rich amber lager the the, the deep color nutty flavor uh blah 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 two row barley um
0: i'm looking at the description now it's
1: it's, it's not bad um Little, uh, I, I don't know. Little weak, I, I, little what? weak.
0: Three point seven ABV. I, I mean, do, I
1: do. I mean, I'm a big fan of the uh, of the weak beer because then you can I enjoy guess. it. And but that it's very weak. The flavor is it's not bad. It hasn't grown on me yet, but I'm going to give it a chance to. So okay, what do you have?
0: I am. I'm back to a good beer Yay. this time around. Uh, so I, I'm actually, I'm probably going to have two different beers during the course of the podcast. Okay. Um, One is is Bell's Two-Hearted, which I've had before uh, for the purpose of this podcast. But this one I have not. This is uh, the the Rogue Mocha Porter. Ooh. Uh, So Rogue, of course, a a very well-known microbrewery out of portland oregon or they're not, i guess they're not technically in portland they're they're along the coast somewhere but um i actually have not
1: had this at all and i'm going to take my first sip right now and right. we're going to get an insta reaction off of this all right so podcast drama as galen takes the first sip of the rogue mocha porter so that's pretty easy drinking for a
0: mocha porter it's interesting it's not like when I when, when you hear mocha, I think okay, it's kind of like coffee flavored or something like right. that. Right, and, and the, it's not.
1: And the porter, you would think it'd be like a kind of a heavy and mm-hmm. an acquired type taste. Um, yeah, not, all right.
0: It's not. It's not heavy. It's like it's actually you know most most porters and certainly stouts, they have that kind of like they settle hard on the back of the tongue. Right. This doesn't do that. This one kind of it. It divides itself to either side of the palate in the back and, and kind of leaves this vaguely hoppy, but also vaguely not hoppy sort of, of taste. It's not hoppy like in the traditional sense, like not not like an IPA. But okay. there's like a there's like the sense of of a little bit of hoppiness, there's a little bit of I guess what you could call kind of a coffiness, but it's not it's not punching you in the face by any means. It's okay. like if you've ever if you've ever had a Guinness Imagine if, if Guinness was a velvet glove instead of an iron fist, and, and that's huh. a little bit of what you're getting here. But it's it's thinner. It's it's not bad. I like it a lot. I like okay. it a lot already. I can I can tell I'm gonna probably get a case of this at some point. But nice. um yeah, I would I would recommend this beer upon first glance.
1: Excellent. Very good. So um so the elephant is in the room. So we can talk about. Uh, uh, so wow, wow. I want <laughs> I'm trying to bring it today. Okay. Um, so I'm I wanted the, something.
0: So I, I want to bring this up that someone – a good friend of mine, uh, Jason Kennedy, posted on, on my Facebook uh, feed. And, and this is actually a, a Chris uh, Solitza piece from The Washington Post quoting a colleague of his, Sally Jenkins, okay, uh, who we know. But I feel like I've already – even if I haven't specifically called it this, I feel like I've already floated this theory and – uh, but I'm going to read this, and, and you tell me if you think I've already floated this theory or if we should give Sally Jenkins all the credit. Okay. So, um, Sally Jenkins is a brilliant sports reporter and columnist. Turns out she knows a thing or two about politics as well. Uh, witnessed this tweet about President Trump's approach to his first week in office. Here's the tweet. Okay. An old sports strategy. Foul so much in the first five minutes of the game that the refs can't call them all. From then on, it's a more physical game.
1: I, hmm. Okay, you have not used, at least in our conversations, that exact terminology, I don't think. Right. Um, but it, it does strike me as the spirit of what she's saying is definitely been something that you've said uh, several times uh, throughout the course of the campaign, since he was elected, and, certainly, and since he was inaugurated. And it's certainly kind of an interesting idea behind it um you know i've i've seen this idea kind of gaining traction on twitter on my twitter and on my facebook late this this you know really in the past day or so and it's the idea that one one of the things the uh the bannon slash trump administration is going for is kind of to create a sort of protest fatigue among the general public basically do all this stuff and create so many protests that in in, in general the the public the general public begins to kind of tune out the protests and it becomes instead of this thing that we're all paying attention to and talking about it just becomes this kind of thing that's almost like background noise and so the the it doesn't necessarily do away with the I don't know if it does away on one level, I guess, I'm thinking this on the fly. On one level it could do away with the, the, the size of the protest and the general outrage, just because people are gonna naturally get physically tired of protesting and kind of emotionally and mentally spent. You can only you know you can you can only go so far. Yeah, you so, can only go so many times. Right for so and, hard. Right. You can only so go long. so right. You're gonna need to pull back. and and rest a little bit and there's also i think the idea of within the non-protesting public you know and we've talked about this and we talked about this on our facebook exchange yesterday about this you know kind of the the targeting toward the his more moderate supporters or people moderate people who voted for him who are not the die hard make america gate make america great trump supporters but who are more um you know i voted for him because yeah we need somebody different or we need to shake things up a little bit or i hate hillary clinton or you know i'm I'm a republican and i kind of come home at the end you know whatever the, the not his base but like the his non-base that still voted for him and i do wonder if that's in a way aimed aimed at them to being like these people are just complaining about literally everything and and, and creating that fatigue on it, um, I am willing to give you uh, give you I'd say let's go sixty six point seven percent of the credit for okay. that. Um, I'll take it. Yeah,
0: I mean because I didn't I didn't come up with that specific, but you know you could it's a it's a sports metaphor that a we see played out a lot and and there's and there's always a lot of complaints about the teams that do it, but we also see that it works, which is why uh, the smart teams tend to do it. So. Right basketball you know we know the teams that have tried this strategy i mean this is what the knicks used to do in the nba in the 90s sure. uh you know it's it's what we see teams like west virginia doing in college basketball right now but even in uh in the nfl you know you take uh, the seattle seahawks for instance if if you if you commit pass interference on every single play if you interfere with the receivers if you knock them down if you bump them the the referees are not going to flag every single instance of that after a while. Like right. you know, they're, 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 it's going to set a tone, and that's something that if you know that you can take advantage of it. And and within the confines of what we're seeing, you know, across the board, I think that certainly what you were talking about as far as like how how long can we sustain? I mean, there's there's these massive rallies going on. I mean, there's this massive rally going on right now in Louisville. Uh, okay. There was one. There was one earlier today in I think Omaha, Nebraska. You know, and it, then you know there was a big rally at the Indianapolis airport. And, you know, and this is in, you know, in conjunction with the huge rallies at, at JFK or at Dulles or at or at LAX. Sure. And um, okay, that's fine. But it's January thirtieth, right? And you know, this idea that um, you know. Th- I'm trying to think of how to phrase this without sounding insensitive, because I'm not trying to sound insensitive. I'm trying to break down the strategy behind this. Mm-hmm. But the idea that if you if you go out and you make a protest everything, like if you've got people marching in the streets on on everything that's uh, an affront to your values, you're gonna end up running out of steam and or you're going to put um your causes in a situation where Non-combatants, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. like people who are kind of um, on the fence in terms of their feelings, like they don't really support Trump, but then they're not really sure about the protests. Uh, after a while, the nuance goes away, and it's like these people are protesting again, like right. really. Um, and and you know, and even even if you take the protests away and you just look at the strategy, I mean, one of the things that was really fascinating about this uh, this this migrant ban was. Not just the ban itself, but the fact that it's almost as if they wanted it to go to court so that they could then instruct their agents to ignore the court order so that they could then accelerate the the idea that this would have to be litigated in court. But if they can demonstrate that they can effectively ignore a court order, now suddenly you've taken a big chunk of the checks and balances out of the system. Right. Uh, you know, so it's that sort of. And so it's like it's not just it's not just fouling every time down the floor, uh, metaphorically in terms of the the public reaction, but it's also fouling every time down the floor in terms of figuring out okay, how far can we push the
1: system? Right. You know, if we're basically a faithless actor within the system. It's that that article that's making the rounds. I don't know. I think I saw it shared on your wall. I know I've seen it a couple places. The basically this was the the idea that this was a. A rough draft of a coup. Like, basically, the idea that, like, like you were just saying, you know. Kind of test balloon for the coup, I think it is what they used. Yeah. But, and, and, and that's those, that's strong words, and I'm very uncomfortable with that, that terminology. Um, but, but I get, you know, it's kind of the same sense where you're coming from. My, my sports metaphor on this, and it might be a poor one, but it's one that came to mind, not just following every time they come down the court, but, uh, but I'm reminded of watching highlights and watching replay of the 1982 national title game, the Georgetown Carolina game. And, um, B- and in that game, uh, Patrick Ewing, he- when he was a, f- a center at uh, Georgetown, he committed goaltending um, on, like, the first three po- – like, s- like, on the several possessions and blatant goaltending. Like, not, like, very mm-hmm. close to trying for a block. Just, like, basically standing under the rim, the ball's about to come down, and he swatted it away. And it was an intimidation technique. It was the Georgetown intimidation. It was not, we're going to count this basket, but you're, n-, but it's kind of like these sending a message. And so I wonder if it's kind of like that, like – you know in a way like we're going to do what we 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 you elected us we're going to do what we said we were going to do and you know whatever and so I don't know. Maybe that I don't know if that's a useful metaphor, but it springs to mind as kind of a we don't care what's happening in the short term consequences of it because we're here for the full. We're, we're 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 trying to plant this in your mind for in the second half when you're trying to go for a close bucket that I'm in here. Well, you know,
0: and I think and I know you're right. And I think I think the idea here is stop us. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, OK, do something about it. Right. Um, you know, because so, for instance, we just we started this podcast, but 10 minutes ago. Yeah. A- and uh, in the time that we started, Trump fired the acting attorney general. Really? Who 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 earlier today told DOJ lawyers not to defend Trump's executive order on travel restrictions. OK. <laughs> like this, I mean, it took <laughs> it, it, it took Nixon. What? like six years to fire or five years to fire yeah yeah he at least
1: won a re-election before he started just blatantly firing people oh my goodness
0: okay Uh, that's crazy and i mean you i mean you really i need to read this i mean people who are listening to this will probably already read it but i want to read it to you just to get the reaction okay so this was a statement that was released uh on this um The acting attorney general, Sally Yates, has betrayed the Department of Justice by refusing to enforce a legal order designed to protect the citizens of the United States. This order was approved as to form... And legality by the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel. Ms. Yates is an Obama administration appointee who is weak on borders and very weak on illegal immigration. It is time to get serious about protecting our country. Oh my Calling gosh. for tougher vetting for individuals traveling from seven dangerous places is not extreme. It is reasonable and necessary to protect our country. Tonight, President Trump relieved Ms. Yates of her duties and subsequently named Dana Bonte, U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Virginia. To serve as acting attorney general until Senator Jeff Sessions is finally confirmed by the Senate where he is being wrongly held up by Democrat senators for strict <laughs> political reasons. I mean this is this, this is a remarkable document. <laughs> I
1: mean this is this is from the office of the press secretary of the, the White House. This yes. Is, <laughs> this is a statement put out with the with the imprimatur and the name of the president of the United States. <laughs> um, I mean, the language in this is just absolutely incredible. It's it, 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 th- that's something you'd read on a message board about, posted about three a.m. when you wake up and scan to see what had happened. That's like a Reddit post, and now I mean... all of a sudden it's it, it, it's the official. Oh my goodness, we're all gonna die. We are all. <laughs> wow. So okay, that's a thing that happened. Um, okay. So. um... All right. Well, while the world still exists, um, we can continue forward. Yeah, it does. I, huh. So, um, so this would be
0: an example of of the sort right. of thing I'm
1: talking about.
0: Because I mean, because look, ultimately, you know, dialing it back to 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 the middle for a second. Um, and I've talked a little bit in the past about, and this has not been a constant theme that we've talked about, but I've been concerned about the powers of the executive branch having been, you know, greatly expanded over the course of the last 20 years or so. Right. Most of that just being a straight up, you know, session of duties and obligations on the part of Congress. And you know, whatever you want to say about Congress's ability to get things done or or you know whatever, uh, ultimately mm-hmm. there that creates an imbalance in the constitutional powers. And and you know, the concern you had was always, okay, well, if someone decides to use this for evil um, or, or you know, for, for their own malevolent purposes, then you were, you know, it's going to be real hard to reel it back in. And we're kind of seeing that now where, okay, this is where the congressional branch and the judicial branch are supposed to step in and say, uh-uh, no, um, the, there's, this, is a, this is a co-equal – representative government with with you know these these different areas that, that that check each other and balance each other and there just aren't frankly enough people that you would look at in either branch right now that you would say you know I trust that person or that group to step in and do what they're supposed to do I mean there was a comment earlier today I think it was by Marco Rubio that um, you know the uh what was it? The I'm trying to find it now. I can't find it. But basically, um, their staffers were were contacting, um, you know, immigration people and asking them, like, for information. And the immigration people have been instructed not to communicate with or the Congress. Ra- the legislative
1: yeah. branch. It's like, what the hell? That's not the way thing. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> it's this blatant, you know, you know, absolute disregard for anything that's happened, you know, any anything. And I, yeah, it's, you know, I, I mean, at some point, we were t- we mentioned this, we had a Facebook exchange about this, similar issues before, you know, this was yesterday, so it feels like 18 outrages ago already, 18 things that have happened yet. Um, but look, I think what's, the only thing that's going to really check what's going on right now is when... um the, Republic, the republican leadership in congress finally says enough's enough that's what did nixon in at the end of the day is he was he lost support and didn't have it and you know do you see paul ryan doing that do you see mitch mcconnell doing that i don't know you know and part of me does think that the second like i said this on our facebook exchange the second that uh trump becomes too big of a liability that it's going to hurt paul ryan's agenda um, and that's not nefarious. Paul Ryan has a very clear agenda, what he is, what he wants to do in Congress, agree or disagree with it. he, we, You know what Paul Ryan wants to do. And the second that that becomes a problem, uh, Trump becomes a problem to getting that agenda passed, I think, I think that there's going to be a big turning on him. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's wishful thinking. But I just, I, I, I can't see, I can't see, uh, you know, the paul ryan's and mitch mcconnell's of the world riding his coattails forever and liking him forever and you know once he stops being a useful cover once he stops being a useful kind of distraction for them then they're gonna boot him overboard because they have they have a they have somebody in line for the white house who, who's kind of backs their agenda so yeah um, I,
0: don't I don't know, know. it's interesting. Um... Because on the one hand, I mean, you may be right, but the problem is this: like, you know, what, so if you look at what the, from a strategic perspective, what what the, the Republican strategy right now, and not the Trump strategy, because I think, I think people understand that those are different things. I hope they, so, but yes, they are. Um, like, where do they dovetail, and where do they diverge?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, right now it looks like where they dovetail is in certainly in, in in a repeal of the Affordable Care Act right, in the naming of a conservative justice to replace Scalia right and in some kind of of tax cut or some kind of, of tax bill mm-hmm. um, beyond that i 'm not seeing a tremendous amount of common ground like i i can 't remember a single Republican politician talking about how a a travel ban on you know on on people from from these predominantly muslim countries was was any like any way shape or form a major part of their agenda coming into this congressional no. session no uh, you know i i certainly the the wall with mexico or or you know, bar, you know on the border that was not something that was on anybody's agenda except um trump and and so but yet th- those are the things that are getting pushed and you know it's interesting because I look at that, and I'm like all right so is is the method here we're gonna get all of the disagreeable things out early so that then once they're out and people can't do anything about them, then the things that we really are aiming for that's that's what gets dropped into the mix and and are Republicans okay with the short term credibility hit if they know that at the end of that rainbow, they're gonna get the things that they're interested in going through Congress um, and, I, and
1: I think they are like my gut tells me that they are like I think well, that I think they're ready they're willing to hold on to play kind of a long game here the problem the, the the interesting thing is going to be how much damage do they take while water's seeping over the edge here right like how, well and
0: well, it's that, but it's also you know I'm getting the sense that Democrats are starting to get their back up like the 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 one thing i think that the republicans are counting on and trump certainly is that they can break the democrats because the democrats have been broken so easily right on so many times and you know what what i think they're counting on is that at the end of the day i mean I've, i always feel like the if the democrats lost the um How do I put this? If they lost the prestige battle in Congress, it actually happened during Obama's first term Mm -hmm. when they, when despite having majorities in both houses of Congress, they refused to pass uh, a comprehensive health care bill by themselves. Right. They, they, they insisted on it being a bipartisan bill, even though it was clear that that was going to like be very difficult because they thought they were going to get killed in the midterms. And then they ended up getting killed in the midterms anyway. Right. (laughs) That year. Um, the so anyway, going back to, to what I was saying, I, I think that, you know, I was reading this article today about how Democrats are in the Senate are now basically saying we're not going to confirm any Trump nominee to the Supreme Court. Right. And that, of course, is in advance of Trump's announcement of whoever the Supreme Court nominee is going to be. Right. Um, and what this is going to lead to, if if that ends up happening, most likely is McConnell. Destroying the filibuster, right? Which, which is on that—that is something that can be done. But that's, you know, it's always been called the nuclear option for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, if that ends up happening, then then I think it becomes a very, very contentious thing moving forward. Because even if they lose that battle, I think the Democrats suddenly put themselves in a better position to to deal with the the fallout from some of this stuff because because the 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 other element that i think is really interesting to watch in all of this it's not just the negative poll numbers for trump Mm. uh as as nate silver pointed out trump was only elected by like what was it 43 percent of the population that voted or something i don't know what the exact number was um you know and and the actual number of people that support him is smaller like he can deal with with a 40% approval rating, and still get things done. If it starts to drop below that, and Republican Congress people start to look at this and say, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute," like we're we're not going to get killed in the you know in the 2018 elections on behalf of this guy, right? Then then that's where and that's where I start to see, you know, some real intrigue. I just don't know. I I, I don't. I'm I'm really not buying this idea that they're going to be able to throw Trump overboard because the uh, at least not easily, because it really does seem like the people he's surrounded by, he's surrounded himself with. These may not be great people, but they're very smart people. Mm-hmm. They're they're people that really understand how government works. The people who have experience, some of them on Capitol Hill, they they really seem to understand where the weak points are in the infrastructure and. That should be concerning for anybody who doesn't like the direction that this seems to be headed already.
1: Well, and, and you know, I think we can wrap this up because we got some good to- listener topics to get to some fun yeah. ones. Um, but you know, kind of a last point on this is you know we mentioned this yesterday on our Facebook discussion. I'll see if I can link to that because it was pretty good um, for a midday Sunday Facebook dis- random Facebook discussion. We 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 kind of brought our A game to that. But I do think. Um, one of the things that keeps interesting, you've brought up this point a lot, is when you think about the Trump administration and the t- Trump White House, the, the, the primary advisor who he seems to be taking a lot of his cues from is Steve Bannon, the Breitbart guy. And his stated goal is he's a Leninist. He wants to destroy the state and burn everything down. He's basically, he's basically I use this analogy in class today, it's like that quote fr- about the Joker from The Dark Knight. You know, some people just want to watch it burn. And that's kind of Bannon's worldview. Like, 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 okay. You you don't think so? No, no, no. I okay. I think that's half of his worldview.
0: Okay. Like, and I think okay. And I read, I read all the Bannon stuff like a long time before Trump got elected. Like, Mm -hmm. I I find that whole group fascinating. Um, Here's the thing about Bannon: it's not that he just wants to burn down the government; it's that he wants to burn down the government to replace the way that it functions with something that is more akin to his political worldview. I mean, it, okay. I, it, and and like you have to really do a deep dive and I'm not defending Bannon. I'm just saying, if you want to understand the guy beyond like, you know, the, the stuff that's initially been written about him, he's like, he's given speeches and he's talked about all kinds of like his perspective on things. And this is, this is a common thread among a lot of people from that wing of politics in the US where, and then this is what we were talking about in that, in that piece, uh, or in the comments related to the piece that was published on medium. It's this idea that if you are a, um, if you're a centrist, if you're a moderate, if you're a liberal, uh, and even, you know, and if you're like a fiscal conservative, you know, social, uh, liberal, you probably look at government and you say, you know what, we need to make some changes here or there. We need to let the parliamentary process play out, but you know the system at its core is one that works. But mm-hmm. there's a there's a strain, and this, there's strains of this on both the left and the right, uh, and and the right is in ascendancy right now because of a variety of factors that would take too long to get into on this podcast. But but th- there are people who who look at this on the right and they say, well, no, this isn't working. Because we feel as if the you know globalism has destroyed the the, the, the base economic structure of the country, we feel like um, you know the the emphasis on immigrants and 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 minority communities and and you know social amoralism as we view it has has basically created a, a culture that is alien to the core principles of what we consider to be the United States of America mm-hmm. so so they look at the government and they don't say we need to make changes to it from within, they say, okay, we need to basically slash and burn and replace the functionality of the government with something that is functional in a way that is more, um, respondent to the needs of the people. And so it's like, so there's that, uh, you've probably seen this, there's that chart that's floating around about the state department.
1: Yes, um, yes, yes, yeah.
0: You know, so for those who haven't seen it, there was this big story, I think it was on Friday, where Trump's team had had basically fired several members of the the you know the 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 traditional like permanent staff of the State Department, and it was mostly like either completely unfilled or the there were key positions being filled by political appointees. Same thing with Bannon being named to that particular like specialty council for uh, for national security. And so people look at these sorts of developments and they're going on all over the executive branch right now and they're saying, this is terrible. The government is like, you know, it's, it's being destroyed. And it's like, well, yeah, but um, as I as I said in the thread, like that's not a bug right. to, the, to the eyes of these people. That's a feature. Like that was the whole idea was right. that we're going to take this thing that we don't think is working well, we're going to gut it and we're going to replace the functionality, which is in their minds built up, like a reef it's like year after year of organism building on top of organism and it's created this immense bloat and this immense distancing from the people and we're gonna we're gonna take that we're gonna slice all that off and we're gonna replace it with a functionality that we think makes sense for you know for the vast majority of of people who are politically engaged that's just anathema to them because that's not how they think of government and i'm not justifying the new methodology i'm just saying i think that the we're already and this is where I think we, it gets really dangerous within society right now is that we're reducing you know Bannon to this like evil genius who just wants to destroy everything and and you know light a match and walk away. I think it might be far more nefarious what he what he's interested in doing which is he's trying to remake the government in 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 not his own image necessarily but in the image of what he thinks the government should be right and with without any sort of like parliamentary process to take it in that direction and so uh, or any sort of like evaluative process beyond just this is my theory and it you know it might be a theory based upon you know sound theoretical political principles but it's still a theory it's not something that has you know been executed elsewhere necessarily in any sort of an effective manner so that's that's where i think you have to at least give some
1: consideration to what's being done I can buy that. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy time. I mean, like, like I think it's very it, crazy. It's I, very. Crazy. Yeah. So um, anyway, so moving on from the political we got some good listener feedback on potential yes. topics. As always, hit us up at Flipside side, hashtag Flipside pod. One of us on Facebook um, with a topic. We usually put out a post on Monday evening before we record. We will spend at least one minute on your topic. Um, so we're, I'll start with Shannon's first because it's kind of it, it, there's the closest thing to a to a segue. So our good friend Shannon McCarthy, our good IX friend, um, her her, t- her suggestion: cookies, puppies, and bacon—all happy things bring the world joy. Now I think I happen to think we bring the world joy on a weekly basis, regardless of the topic we're talking to. I'm talking about. Always. Um, but Shannon, then uh, as an addendum, specifically the best types of cookies for Super Bowl parties. Um, you want to start on this one, or do you want me to because ha- I have thoughts on cookies, puppies, and bacon, so you know that can be a whole podcast right there
0: i um i'm in a 'm in a place right now where I, because i i 'm really cut my sugar content i don 't eat cookies okay but um i don't i don't know if they have these cookies where you 're at, so this is a tough topic for me to talk about i guess is my, sure. my point uh, but uh for super Bowl parties, by far the best type of cookie. Is – so when you go to the grocery store here, they have these sugar cookies with this really thick icing on top. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They come in like a pack of 10. Mm -hmm. Each of these cookies is like 400 calories. Right.
1: And it will give you a a diabetic coma by looking at it.
0: And and I can easily eat like six of these – in one setting during a super bowl party and i and i I almost feel bad that i'm not eating more of them and so it's one of the many reasons why i'm cutting back on sugar (laughs) (laughs) anyway how about you all right So,
1: so so the sugar cookie is a good pick um i look i don't think there's ever any bad uh or wrong time to bring chocolate chip cookies i think that is a that's the gold standard of cookie, as far as I'm concerned. It is always good. It's always welcome. Even
0: even um, if it's Chips Ahoy.
1: Even if it's Chips Ahoy, yeah. Um, now I, now that's
0: a really that's like that no, that's really like the rallies of, of cookies. I, you I, know?
1: I, I, I was going to say it is like the dominoes of cookies, <laughs> but you know it's the, it's the
0: Long John Silvers of chocolate oh. chip
1: cookies. <laughs> but no, but you know, um, you know, if you're not trying to pass them off as you know, you, you don't bring Chips Ahoy to a Super Bowl party you know, first principles. Unless but, it's know, the
0: chewy ones.
1: Eh, but um but I but no, the the a, a, a good you know, a good chocolate chip cookie is always good. Um I don't know. I I I have been thinking about this. Um I I I don't th- you know, it, 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 the Super Bowl cookies at a Super Bowl party I think are they're, they're a tough they're a tough nut to crack because um you're coming relatively soon to Christmas on the deal. And people yeah. tend to, you know, you know, Christmas is, you know, the cookie time to shine. And so I think people are are, you know, maybe a little cookie shy for around Super Bowl or a little cookieed out. And um and plus you have to think know what type of other food is going to be at the Super Bowl party. Is it going to be like a more of a meal type thing? Is it going to be a grazing setting and more of a grazing setting where there's like a buffet and you have like maybe pizza and a crock pot of chili and maybe some like fried chicken type thing and and other things around. Then I think, you know, the chocolate chip cookie, the sugar cookie tends to to work well with it. Um, But I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think if there are any other, like, like, I don't know if Oreos, you know, Oreo had the big Super Bowl ad thing a few years ago, but I don't necessarily think, think they work well. You know why? Oreo doesn't work well, because Oreos need milk to really bring the full package together. Chocolate chip cookies stand on their own more, and who has milk at a Super Bowl party? I actually, I, I like Oreos
0: without milk. I know that's blasphemous. Oh,
1: no, I do too. They're not, they're, they're not required, but I think for the full Oreo experience, you're looking at milk.
0: I'll go. I want to go in the opposite direction with this. You okay. know what? Cookie seems like a great idea for Super Bowl
1: party, but it's actually a terrible idea. What's that? Archway cookies. What's an archway cookie? I'm not familiar ne- with that. You've never had
0: archway cookies? Never. No.
1: I'm googling this right now to see if I, I see what what they are. So um, maybe this <laughs> oh, is just a mid- Okay. Okay. I I, I know. Uh, I I've never had archway, but I've had what? I don't know. I can't think of what the. Western New York alternative would be, but something along those lines. Okay.
0: Yeah. So Archway Cookies, they they come in these like big boxes, mm-hmm. and I mean they're like always they're always a overpriced and b kind of oversized, right? And yeah. they, they're they're like I don't know they're good, but they don't feel like a Super Bowl cookie. I almost feel like there there has to be some kind of like whiff of consumerism in everything that's served at a Super Bowl party, like
1: right.
0: like you know you you could. You could certainly, like, have homemade guacamole at a Super Bowl party because store-bought guacamole sucks, let's be honest. But I have but, strong s- feelings on all guacamole, but that's neither but, here nor there. But store-bought salsa is fine at a Super Bowl party. Absolutely, in fact, yeah. In fact, homemade salsa at a Super Bowl party is almost, like, too much. It's like, you you overdid it here. I don't <laughs> know who you're trying to impress. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean... You you really need something that's tasty and yet kind of bulk consumerish in order to really have the. And, you know, I mean, you can you can homemade stuff for for Super Bowl like a cookie. You could make chocolate chip cookies, I guess. But um, but I feel like there's good options in the cookie aisle if you really want to do the Super Bowl thing properly.
1: All right, so wooden chips, your your hated Chips Ahoy, then be a perfect Super Bowl p- cookie. I, but I, I just
0: think <laughs> once you've had like regular chocolate chip cookies or even like the soft batch version or the
1: or even like the store your store bakery version that comes like in the clear plastic container yeah chips are just they're hard like
0: that's the thing like of of all the of all the things of all of the the characteristics of cookie like unless it's purposefully slightly burned that's a different thing but like like chocolate like chips Ahoy are just they're hard Uh and you know, they actually need milk more than Oreos do. I think. Huh. Interesting. Um, and so, like, uh. that's why I'm saying you could do the soft batch, or you could do the chewy version, or you could do this the the stuff in the bakery aisle as opposed to in the in the you know the 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 uh, the cookie aisle, and you'd be perfectly fine with that. I just th- I do think there's there's like a line you can't go over when it comes to that.
1: All right. I mean, and, and look, cookies and beer is an extremely underrated mix. You know, a good a good chocolate chip, a good you know, kind of hearty, hearty cookie like that can, can, excuse me, be paired pretty well with beer. So that's, it is kind of a net, more of a natural mix and a natural diver. I, 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 I'm also a big fan of like a good compote cookie. So like kind of a mixture of a bunch of different things. Like there's chocolate chips and there's, um, uh, I, I've had the, the chocolate chip and potato chips mixed in with the cho with the regular chocolate chip cookie, kind of give it a little more crunch and a little bit more, a little more substance into it just so you kind of break away but look straight up chocolate chip you can never ever go wrong with that in my book um so shanna also brought up cookies and bacon any uh i'm sorry puppies and bacon um any good nelson stories lately for to handle puppies well let's see nelson
0: nelson really likes hugging people um like he he really like when i come home he he runs up to me and he wraps both of his his uh front legs around my leg up at the hip and he doesn't hump me he just hugs me. Aww. And and then he won't let me go. And so I'll I'll be like I kind of drag him into like down the hallway into the main part of the house. Mm-hmm. Um that's kind of the main thing. Um, also, he, he's got a big thing. He likes to sit on people's heads, he's decided. Okay. Uh, so, like, uh, this annoys my wife because my wife will be laying on the couch, and he'll come up and he'll sit on her head, uh, and she doesn't like that too much. He doesn't, but those are the,
1: he doesn't yeah. fart right away, does he, or he just he, enjoys the sitting? He just likes to sit. He doesn't okay. fart
0: on okay. <laughs> her or anything like that. But, no, but no, actually, you know, he's, he's – um, Nelson has had – uh, a good run here the last couple of weeks he's been uh, a little crazy he um you know is doing puppy things but he's also been hanging out with the baby and, and letting the baby like you know pat him on the head real hard and stuff like that so it's been Aww. cute like
1: that's, that yeah that, that, that's cool so my, my my only recent puppy thing is we had i uh, got out of class on friday the other day and uh walk out walk into the hallway and they had two enormous dogs were with their owners were sitting in the hallway and i think they were not therapy dog not therapy dogs per se but the kind of like dogs that you bring in public and you bring to college campuses for like um you know, to lift your spirits. Hey, have a, you know, stress relief, that type of thing. And I, you should have seen the beeline I made for these dogs. I probably cut off some students. and was just like single focused puppy dogs. Give me hugs. One of them was flopping all over me. It was fantastic. Um, and bacon. So my wife, whom I love and whom I actually, we actually have somewhat of a topic from, but my wife, whom I love, we got turkey bacon the other day. And, uh, we had that today. The, The other day for, uh, with, with breakfast regular as opposed to regular bacon and as far as turkey bacon goes it was as good as I think you can get because it's obviously turkey bacon is going to be subpar to pork bacon to regular bacon it just doesn't crisp up it doesn't get that 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 nice it's hard to get that that good crunch that good full flavor that you get out of a pork belly but this was mennonite made turkey bacon and the mennonites know what they're doing um and so it was real it was a maple flavor so the flavor profile of it was pretty good so it's disappointing because it was turkey bacon but in all but all in all is as good as it's going to get i think so um that's my ba- that's my bacon soliloquy for the day
0: I'm trying to think if I have a
1: bacon soliloquy. Um, I,
0: you know, I think that bacon's weird because, like, um, I bought some bacon, some platter bacon from the butcher the other day, and man, it was overly salty. Really? Like, and I didn't think that was possible. Like, right. I, I, you know, you'd think bacon, oh. You know, salty. That's fine. This was actually to the point where it was hard to eat more than like two pieces of it, and huh. and that's you know, that's not a good place for bacon to be at. No. Um, and it's like it's funny because like that's the good bacon, you know. So I was like, I want to buy that as opposed to buying the the you know, I say the cheap bacon. The cheap bacon is just as expensive, right? But it, it's packed in, you know, in plastic at the at the uh, grocery store as opposed to coming out of the butcher's case, but um. You know the 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 way that the way that it's set up, it's like bacon's interesting. Like I I don't buy generic anything at the store generally, just okay. because I don't generally trust generic branding. <laughs> um, and maybe I'm a fool for that, whatever. But um, but bacon is like the, something where I I've, you know every time I try a premium option, I'm like this doesn't taste right. Mm-hmm. I feel like i need to go if i just go with like the straight indiana style bacon which which we've got here um that tastes good or if i go with the, the pl- pl- plum rose i think it is that stuff's pretty inexpensive it's like 3.99 for a pound and it, it tastes just fine yeah. and and, and, I, and it's like that's weird like particularly with meat like normally with, with some kind of meat you would like you'd want to opt like when i go to the deli. I want to get the boar's head. Oh no question. Yeah. As opposed to getting like the private selection or whatever the, the generic is, but it doesn't seem to work that way with bacon. I, I'm I'm perplexed about that.
1: Right, and you know I you know we, we had this discussion last season. You know the uh, the foods that don't aren't better with their artisanal version or their like hipster version. And right. my version, my my line is on that has always been basically all breakfast. <laughs> um, you yes. know, all breakfast food, you know, a diner breakfast is still superior in every way. And I do agree with that, that bacon, you know, regular store brand or, you know, inexpensive bacon is perfectly fine. And 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 especially at the price point you're paying for it, you're not it, the, 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 there's not serious upside to the fancy bacon. I don't think now I've never gone all the full Michael Ruman and rolled my own um I, I don't maybe someday i'll have the gu- I'll, I'll have the uh, gumption to pull that one off but I'm, I'm not quite there on that one yet so yeah all right so we got a couple questions for uh, let's do my sisters real quick because we kind of mentioned it we talked about this a little last week but we can uh so we can handle it uh with updates my sister uh, amy moritz uh asks us are all-star games even worth playing Okay. Um and we 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 did talk about this a little bit last week. Um and since then the Pro Bowl apparently was last night and
0: the NHL All-Star
1: And game. the NHL All-Star game. I kind of knew that was happening. The All-Star game, my, the Pro Bowl, my students mentioned that in my sports training class and I was like, "Oh shoot, that's a thing that they play." Um so, um are are, are they actually worth playing? Well, I'm going to stand by my my version of from last week and say I would prefer no naming the all-star teams, but not having the all-star games. And then instead having like the skills competition weekend, like, I think there's value to the skills competition. I think there's value to be, to naming an all-star team, but to the, as to the actual game, eh, I'm not, I'm I'm not seeing the, the value in that.
0: I mean, I think it depends on the sport. Of course. I, I think, you know, baseball, I mean, with the exception of the pitchers, like it really doesn't hurt to play the game. That's true. Uh, and, and, and you know, baseball is one of those sports where I think, um, you can play a, a reasonable facsimile of a game, uh, without it seeming like everybody's at like half speed simply by nature of how, you know, baseball gets played. It, it's not quite like that with the other sports. a like, basketball kind of like, you know basketball all-star games should kind of look like a pickup game right uh and that's fine like people are entertained by watching pickup basketball um the other sports though football hockey um especially those are the two i'm thinking of like it's it's fitting that they're on the same night because they both suffer from the same issue it's like either different versions of the same issue either either you hold the pro bowl at a time when you can't have a lot of the major players because they're either playing in the super bowl or they're injured mm-hmm. or, or your sport is physical enough that you're playing it in the middle of the season and no one wants to like go all out because they got to go back and play. That's a very physically demanding sport as we know. Right. Um, you know, so it's like, I mean, what, what are we, what are we looking at? I was talking to my students about this earlier today and I was like, you know, the, the ostensibly, all star games are for the fans, right? That's what we're always told. Like, right. oh, those is for the fans. The fans care. The fans don't give a shit right. about all star games. Like, really, I don't. I know very few people that care. Maybe they care about the the uh, MLB All Star game. That's what the only one that people seem to express significant care for. But the rest of them, I just don't think people like really care. And and from the standpoint of what they uh, what they provide, all they really provide is a platform for sponsors. Right. They they they're not really even. With the, you know, uh, you know, w- w- really not even with the Pro Bowl as an exception, like like they they really don't they don't provide anything historical, you know you can't look at like the the participants in the Pro Bowl as my as my students pointed out the quarterbacks for the AFC this year were like I think it was Alex Smith was one of the quarterbacks for the AFC. The High the Pro Rod Taylor Bowl.
1: was in the Pro Bowl last year.
0: Right, like these are not. I mean, it's like we're we're not getting the Yellow Jackets out for these people. You know, I mean, no. like this is this is not this is not the future hall of fame class um so no i mean again i think for baseball yeah play the thing i think for basketball yeah play the thing that's fine yeah. and even for something like mls yeah i mean you know why not it's it's kind of silly but it's it's not hurting anything but but for football for hockey i, I think it's
1: not worth it all right i can do, I, I, I can i can do that so uh, Ben hessler a uh, friend of yours on facebook has two good has two questions one related to the all star game so that's a great transition that I totally planned out there um <laughs> his topic the c list musical guests at the n h l all star game so, so so who were the c list guests i i i i'm i don't know this so um so
0: this this is the total list of people okay. um so it was nick jonas okay fifth harmony okay i don't know who they are okay uh, carly ray jepsen okay uh john legend okay robin thick okay and john andrasik from five for fighting jesus that's terrible <laughs> that's i'll be honest when he put that down, when he put down c-list musical guests i thought it was going to be far worse i thought No, yeah um, I, I thought i thought like it was going to be like seal and um, sugar ray know, like plain white teas and, and y- you know pentatonix or somebody <laughs> like that <laughs> um so this I, is actually i mean carly ray Jepsen. that's chuck Nope, no huge issues there. John no, Legend, I, I, I mean, I
1: enjoy John Legend. You know, not a huge, huge fan, but no, you know, certainly unobjectionable to, a, as as an artist. Um, Nick Jonas, I will say, was fantastic in Les Mis. For what it's <laughs> worth, he really what he was actually surprisingly good in Les Mis. Um, and that's, what <laughs> that's I'm glad we have the title for the podcast <laughs> this week. That's great. <laughs> that's, that's delightful. Um um he was i'm just for that i'm gonna send you i'm gonna post like 20 youtube videos to your wall of nick jonas as uh in les miz um but no i will i will unfriend you like immediately (laughs) so so (laughs) so fifth harmony did the u.s national anthem i'm reading i'm i'm catching up on my nhl news here yeah that's that's it's not great not great not great brian no not great not great at all um as well as the the NHL was presented by Geico host John Ham. This is just bizarre. John Ham, um, yeah, John Hamm, I mean, yeah, um, I mean, I, I you know John John Ham's probably the best pick. Of, I'd rather hear John Ham sing than like. I would. Tell, just, I would just. I think
0: harmony. that they they that the, 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 you know the intermission. I guess it was the intermission, or maybe it was the pregame. I didn't watch the thing. They could have just had John Ham reenact all of his turbotax commercials.
1: right. and I would,
0: I would have been totally fine with that.:
1: Right, or just like done a couple scenes from the, from Mad Men, you know yeah. anything, you know? Yeah. They traded they they traded what why did they trade Gretzky to the Kings? That's what the money is for. <laughs> um <laughs> so, man. Um anyway, the Ben's other title, uh, uh his title, his other uh topic suggestion Question. is yeah. The Last Jedi title for episode 8. And this is the next Star uh Star Wars movie in the series that's coming out in December. They unveiled the title within the past 2 weeks that it's going to be The Last Jedi. Um I'm excited and intrigued by it. Uh I don't know how many thoughts you have on it on the Star Wars thing cuz I could talk for a while probably on it. Um I don't know. I don't know if you're really a Star Wars guy, how much of a Star Wars guy you are and how deep you want to go in this. I mean, okay. I'm I'm going to let you
0: take the bulk of this. Okay. I'm going I'm going to simply say the following. I I walk, you know, I grew up with the the first 3 uh, movies. I I saw Phantom Menace in the theater. I was very disappointed in it. I saw the other two eventually. Um, I I saw. I went and saw The Force Awakens in the theater, and I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, I have zero thoughts one way or another on this title, and I am so confused as to why this is like a controversial thing or like what like why people have had i've 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 peripherally noticed the reaction to the title as being like something that's ignited conversation if not controversy and i Hmm. don't and 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 as someone who watched the force awakens in the theater i don't understand what the like why this is so compelling necessarily
1: okay i didn't actually know there was um controversy around it i've been kind of avoid maybe controversy and, is the wrong word but it's I like mean, people got really jazzed when they heard the title and it's okay. like not not even not not even like the plot but just oh here's the title it's like why this? it's three words and, I, I, and- I i i think so okay so interesting note that my friend brent axe from radio up in syracuse pointed out and he's a fellow star wars nerd like me that jedi is both singular and plural so the idea, the the general consensus is that the, episode eight, the Last Jedi, that Rey, the protagonist from uh, from the Force Awakens, the one who meets Luke Skywalker at the end of the movie, has the lightsaber. That she is in fact the last Je- the last Jedi singular. She's the final one passed down from Luke, and she is um, going to, and, you know in the parlance of the original trilogy kind of bring balance back to the force right she's like the last hope it was foretold my god I used the word foretold but in uh, in in Empire Strikes Back in Empire Strikes Back when Yoda was talking to to, uh, Ghost Ghost of Obi-Wan and uh, Obi-Wan said that, that, he, that he is our last open, and, and Yoda says, no, there is one to come after him. And you could argue that there No, he said there, there is another. There is another. Now, you could argue—good Paul— um, you could argue one could argue if one wanted to that that there is another is the return of vader to the to the light side at the end of return of the jedi you could also argue that that, that there is another points to ray and the final jedi to come from that um, but wait, wait wait no i
0: okay may now granted i'm i'm significantly behind on my star wars mythology but i thought that whole thing was a setup for leia being a
1: jedi sleeper cell basically but that because, but, but that because we, but that was never that's never been shown in inexplici- explicit explicit she's, but she's she's luke's twin sister right luke is a jedi right like, you're gonna tell me that they share the same
0: dna but leia's not a jedi well
1: well well remember ray is leia's daughter yeah i so well, so well we well we don't know that for sure yes, yeah, yeah we do no, I don't think we do. No, 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 we really do. She's the daughter of Han. Oh no, no, no! Wait, wait! Oh, you're thinking at, that you're thinking I'm of thinking Kylo of, Ren? I'm thinking of Kylo Ren. Get your Christ. fucking get your fucking cannons straight, Moritz. Ma- Jesus, Matt Mad- German <laughs> is going to drive up to New York State and beat me senseless for that awful, <laughs> awful gap. I I apologize. Um, that's terrible. Oh my gosh! But yes, yeah, so, I'm, so I'm thinking of Kylo Ren, who's the who, who's the son of Lane. Now, wouldn't it be a kick if Kylo Ren and Ray are actually twins, fraternal twins? Because that could happen too. Um, anyway, thoughts on it. I'm excited. I love the direction that the, uh, that the, the series has taken. I, I loved, love, love, love The Force Awakens. I really, really enjoyed Rogue One. Uh, I thought it was a really well done movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, it it's just awesome to have kind of Star Wars be back. And to not kind of have that weird existential dread that the prequels brought about of how are they gonna screw this up now what's the, what 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 ridiculousness are they gonna have here um, and look any kind <laughs> well, of and, and look
0: they got it. They, they didn't screw it up by basically remaking uh, a new hope but anyway right. go ahead no please.
1: no and no and that's you know and I know that's kind of a criticism I think of. Uh, of the Force no, Awakens, I don't. It's not no, a no, criticism. no, It's no, just a reality. No, in some circles, you know, in some like in some of the the more extreme Star Wars, like the misogynistic fandom that's like, oh my God, why are there girls who are heroes in the Star Wars? You know, why is a girl the main character? You know, why? You know, there there was a thing where like, why, why can why is Rey, like? All of a sudden, able to be a Jedi, ignoring the fact that Luke heard like Obi Wan say three things, and then all of a sudden he's using the Force to blow up the Death Star, um, which is ridiculous, which which is just as kind of patently ridiculous. But we accept it. Um, I just I love the. You know, You know, to me, I remember watching it in the theater, The Force Awakens, and thinking, oh my, it's an absolute, almost shot for shot remake of the original. And it's done very intentionally. It's not like a bad copy. You can tell it's an homage. You can tell it's basically telling the story of a new hope for my kids generation for our kids for the young generation who it's like their version of a new hope so it's similar but it's their story on it so i'm really really excited star wars nerds i apologize for screwing up the kylo ren uh ray backstory never, i'm never gonna, gonna, gonna let live that down in the tree house, no Brian. no dear god i and, and when you're kicked out when you when you're not nerdy enough to be in the star wars treehouse, exactly where am i supposed to go with my life um <laughs> Jesus. All right. So, we're going to finish off with my wife's comment, which I don't think she meant as a topic, but I actually I actually have an I actually had an idea I wanted to bounce off with you. So, my my lovely lovely wife of nearly 10 years, Jen Moritz, commented on our topics post with a with a comment, "You podcast?" Wow! Yeah, I saw well, that. She, that was a little—that was a little, little hurtful. Well, no, she—it's—it's it, actually—it's actually an inside joke we have. I see. Um, yeah, she. Um, it—it it goes back to the early days of the flip side, where I'd be like, "Okay, I'm going to go downstairs to do this podcast," and she's like, "She would never remember the schedule." Like, and it was kind of, you know, especially when we alternated days. I'm like, "What are you doing? My podcast." Oh yeah. Oh, you do. And, and so it became a running joke. You do the podcast, because the funny thing is, she doesn't listen. Because as she points out, I listen to you all the time. I'm not going to download a podcast and listen to you more. Which valid? I can't argue. I can't really argue with that. Um, but my but <laughs> my, my, my idea behind it, uh, my, my idea for th- that I had was I want to see what you think of this. Is at some point I think we need to turn either an entire episode or at least a segment over to the wives. I'm fine with that. I think that could be really really interesting and really I'm- fun. I, I I have no problem taking a week
0: off and, and letting the women do the work. That's that's I'm I'm completely on board with that. So
1: um I hope I hope listeners that you would be into that too and having having the Jen and Katie hour where they oh God the, oh I don't even eh, who knows who knows what they'll I talk mean, about.
0: To be completely fair and, and honest, the, the listener doesn't have a choice. They're just gonna go ahead and listen to it, whatever we put in the iTunes feed. That's
1: so, true. That's true. Like They're we, gonna-
0: we we. We could, we could just have, we could just, we could turn it over to the dogs, like literally. We could just have Nelson uh, barking on my end. And wh- what's your dog's name again? Uh, Gus and Zoe. Gus and Zoe. Oh, which one would you put on the podcast?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what I was getting yeah, at. Yeah, that's a um, really good question because um, Zoe's kind of antisocial, but Gus might just run away or eat something. So probably Gus would give you better content. So, okay, uh, yeah. but uh, people would listen to that if we put it up, I That's think. They wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have a choice. That's true, and maybe, yeah, we'll turn it over. So we'll, we'll literally turn it over to the dogs at some point. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. So uh, th- so um, as always, if you have topics for us, please hit us up at FlipsidePod, the hashtag. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about, and we will give at least one minute to it.
0: Yeah, we will. And we're
1: uh, we're always here at your disposal. Mm-hmm. And even though even though you're just going to listen to whatever we give you, we still we're still here to serve you.
0: I mean, you know, we give the people what they want, and sometimes what they want is what they don't know that they want yet. And we're mm-hmm. here to let them know what they want. Exactly. I don't know what I just said.
1: There.
0: Story of our podcast. By the way, I, I did end up. Uh, I had one more beer. I didn't Ooh. have the. I didn't have the bells too hard. But I wanted to throw this in. This is actually a really good beer. Okay. This is a, this is an. Uh, I I can never pronounce this word. This is an Elysian Space Dust IPA.
1: I just love the name Elysian. That's a great yeah. name. Yeah. Elysian uh, it, Space Dust.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, out of the Elysian Brewing Company in Seattle, Washington, okay. but also Fort Collins, Colorado. That's a, that's a quality pair of cities yeah really right. that's i, I don't know good. if you have you been to either of those i have not no I, i've been to both and i would live in either i think okay uh, seattle might be a little depressing uh with with the lack of sunshine but um mm-hmm. but the but before collins that's a quality city i would i would go back there anytime
1: i haven't but i would love to get to, get to both of those places they, they do seem like very very good very cool places to be so yes absolutely
0: all right. all right well that uh i guess that wraps it up um thanks for listening folks you can catch us on twitter at dr gc at uh, bp moritz uh, assuming the twitter still exists right uh, within the next week or so but you can always tweet us uh, at those locations and you can always catch us on facebook if you happen to know who we are but um for brian i'm Galen. this has been the flip side and and we will catch you on the flip side thanks for listening everybody